0: Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us.
1: All right, church, praise God. Thank you for singing out to our great God. Because He lives, we can face tomorrow. Amen? Amen. Man, that's a great song. Hey, uh, we are uh, at the end of our Daniel sermon series, and I, I tell you what, uh, these have been some of the longest sermons of my life. And I think they've been some of the longest sermons of your life. Woo! We're making it, though. And, and uh, it's a great book, and let me just recap a little bit as we, f- as we come to the finish line here, the book of Daniel. You know, Daniel has got so many messages in it, so many teachings in it, so many truths in it. But chapter 1, remember we saw that, that God sent the Babylonians to take care of, uh, of Israel and their sin? Then Daniel and his friends are, are brought into Babylon, and their lives are at stake. They have to do a good job, their lives are at stake. But Daniel has the audacity to say, hey, I'm not going to defile myself with the king's food. Let me test God in this. And, you know, he's praying to God and asking for God's favor, and God blesses him. Okay, and they're given, and God responds with Daniel's faithfulness by being faithful to Daniel. Man, we see that again and again in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2, right? Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He has this dream, and and he won't tell anybody what the dream was, but he says, unless you wise men tell me the interpretation, you're all going to die. Oh, great, (laughs) right? That kind of deal. But Daniel, what does he do? His life is on the line because he's one of the wise men. What does he do? He prays. He seeks God's face. And God responds to his prayer and gives him the dream and the interpretation. What an incredible thing, right? That, that happens. And we see in that dream of this massive statue, the head of gold, the arms of a uh, uh, chest of silver, the, the belly of bronze, and legs of iron. That, that God's kingdom at the end destroys all kingdoms. He answers, fair, he answers prayer and he's faithful, but he's also the King of kings and the Lord of lords that reigns. Remember Daniel chapter 3, as we got into Daniel chapter 3, what happened there? Uh, the Nebuchadnezzar, he sets up this great gold statue, and he says everybody has to worship it. But Daniel's friends, right, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say we're not worshiping anything but the Lord God Almighty. Amen. They refuse to bow down. The king says you're going to die. They said if our God is real, he will rescue us. If not, we're not going to worship a false god. Okay. He throws him into the fire. God delivers them from the fire, and Nebuchadnezzar ends up worshiping the Lord God Almighty. He is faithful, but his people are shown faithful. When his people are shown faithful, God comes through with his own faithfulness, right? Then we got to chapter 4 of Daniel, and and, and Nebuchadnezzar had this dream of of this massive tree, right? In the dream, the tree gets cut down, (laughs) He doesn't understand it and Daniel comes along and says hey God gave me the interpretation you're that tree and your pride and your arrogance you think you're the, above all the kingdoms of the earth that you're the man that God's going to cut you down but if you if, once you get cut down if you don't if you don't if you keep down that path of, of, of self-righteousness and, and arrogance if you repent of that God will restore you and God restored Nebuchadnezzar after he had been humbled after the tree got cut down God restored Nebuchadnezzar worshipped Daniel's God, because Daniel's God is powerful and mighty and strong, and He's able to k- take care of any kingdom, to set down any kingdom, and raise any kingdom up. Right then, we got to Daniel chapter five, incredible chapter there. Belshazzar, the king, he pulls out the the cups and the vessels that were taken from Jerusalem's temple, and he starts to mock God, worshiping false gods, starts to mock God. And then the handwriting on the wall came. Remember that? The hand out of nowhere. <laughs> and it says, you're weighed. You're, you're, you're a dead man walking, basically. Daniel comes and interprets and says, hey, king, this is what's happening. But the king, Belshazzar, instead, unlike Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't repent. He stays in his arrogance and his pride, and God judges him. And the Babylonian kingdom goes down the tubes, replaced by the Persian kingdom because God's in control. Amen. God reigns over all the kings, all the presidents, all the congresses of the earth. Nothing can thwart his will. Lord God Almighty reigns. And we got to Daniel in chapter 6, the Persian kingdom king, and, and Darius, this king, this mighty king, right? He, he, he gets tricked by his advisors. They're trying to kill Daniel because he's high in the Persian kingdom. They're jealous. And so they say, we've got to come up with a law. Anybody that prays to anybody but you, O King Darius, Right? Let him be put to death. Let him be thrown to the lions. And, and, and so they say to Daniel, hey, you can't worship God anymore. Daniel says, oh, yeah, watch me. Three times a day, I'm still going to pray to my God. Amen. No matter what happens, I'm praying to my God. And so do what you will. But I'm going with my God in faithfulness. Daniel stayed faithful. What a witness to us. What a witness to the Israelites. stayed faithful. He was thrown in the lions then. But guess what? Faithful God delivered him from the lions. Right? It's, just, it's just these stories, these historical accounts of God's faithfulness when God's people stand up and be counted. When God's people say, I'm with you, God, no matter what. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. In chapter 7, we turn, we took, turn the page to more visionary stuff. Right? Uh, Daniel has a vision of four beasts. This horrible lion and this horrible bear and this horrible leopard and, and the fourth beast he couldn't even describe because it was so ugly, so terrible kingdoms fighting and raging and destroying one another. The whole world looks in chaos. And then this one king, this little horn, as it were, grows up to be this mighty king who even stands up against God. But then the court is called, God Almighty comes, and he casts down that evil king. And then one like a son of man, Daniel sees, coming with the clouds of heaven. And all the kingdoms of the world are given to him. All dominion and authority belongs to the son of man. Right? Because God reigns. God reigns over all things, over all nations, over all peoples. And Jesus Christ came as the Son of Man. And one day He's coming back to rule all things. He's going to set up His eternal kingdom. Are you with Him? Are you in His kingdom? Are you under His reign, His rule? Then right? Daniel chapter 8, we came and we had the ram fighting, the ram destroying all nations. And then the goat comes and destroys the ram. The Persian kingdom replaced by the Greek kingdom. Alexander the Great comes. And this is all prophesied in the 6th century uh, to Daniel. Coming to Daniel and God, he gives his word to to the Israelites. There's going to be this future ram and this future goat. Persians and the Greeks, they're going to fight and battle. And then there's going to be this great, ugly, terrible king again. Antiochus or Antiochus. Antiochus comes. And he stands up against God. He does terrible things, 168 through 164 B.C., chapter 8. But then, one without hands, he's removed without human hands. Again, God, the King, reigns, and no kingdom can stand against him. No kingdom, whether Persians or Greeks or Romans. That's my God. God. He can do all things. He's powerful, and he's mighty, and he's strong, right? And so we get to chapter 9. And again, Daniel's praying and he's thinking. He, he's read Jeremiah's prophecies about 70 weeks, he's, uh, 70 years. And God, please, 70 years are almost up. He's been in captivity for 68, 69 years by this time. He knows God's timetable is coming for Israel to go back, the captives to go back to Jerusalem. And he's praying and he's fasting and he's pleading with God. He's confessing sin to God. Please come, please come. And an angel does come. And the 70 years are completed. They're allowed to go back. Uh, Cyrus, the king, allows them to go back. But then 70 weeks in chapter 7. 70 weeks till what? 70 weeks until the end of the world. 70 weeks until the kingdom comes. The first seven from the decree given to the building of Jerusalem. Seven sevens. Then 62 sevens, till the time of the Messiah. And he came in 26 AD. And then the last seven, we're waiting on that. There's a gap. There's a historical gap there. The church age, as it were. We're waiting for the 70th week to begin. We're waiting for the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, to be revealed. But at the end of the Antichrist time, God comes and breathes on him, and he destroys him, and the kingdom comes. The desolator is, is laid desolate. And God's kingdom comes. Again, God reigns. No matter what, what kind of opposing enemy, what kind of evil empire, what kind of ungodly government comes upon the face of the earth, God rules because he rules. He sets up kingdoms. He sets down kingdoms. Wherever he wants to do, he does it. Right? And then last week, we got to Daniel chapter 10. We got into spiritual warfare. We saw Daniel praying and the delay, and there's a battle in heaven. Right? And we learned last week, we've got to keep praying no matter what. But to keep fighting in the battle, praying for God's will to be done, Amen. participating in what God has said, we can change, change the world through prayer. God listens to our prayer. God moves in answer to our prayer. God is active in this world as we pray and seek His face. Things change upon the face of the earth because He is that kind of a God. He's a mighty and a great God, an Almighty King. Right. So we learn through the first ten chapters of Daniel that God is faithful. Church, God is faithful to His people. No matter what, when His people are faithful to Him, no matter what, when His people keep walking with Him, He walks with them. He holds them up. He rescues them. He delivers them. He will deliver you. in your trials and your tribulations and your hurts and your pains. God is the ruler of all things. We learn that, that God is the ruler of all things. There's nothing in this universe He does not rule. He is the King of kings and He's the Lord of lords. Always has been, always will be. The kingdom has come in one sense, but it's still coming in another sense. And we're waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our calling while we're waiting is remember that we need to depend on Jesus. We need to keep walking in His ways. Keep walking in His truths. We need to keep living for Him. He's dependable. He's reliable. He's faithful. Will we be dependable and reliable and faithful in the coming storms? The, The book of Daniel calls us to live this life In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be His people no matter what. And that brings us to chapter 12 of Daniel. Chapter 12, verse 1, please. Lord God Almighty, we ask as we open Your holy word, we ask... That there would be a word for us today, in this place, in this time. You used it to minister to many generations of your saints in the past. And we ask that you would use it to teach us and guide us and lead us and encourage us even this day. May you bless your word to your people gathered in worship. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Chapter 12, verse 1. At that time... Shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. At that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame in everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars, forever and ever. The end of the book is one long message. Chapter 10 to chapter 12 is one long message from the angel. Remember in chapter 10, Daniel saw the vision, the theophany of God, a picture of God, and he was blown away. He fell on his face, and then we think what happened, an angel came, maybe Gabriel came and lifted him up and encouraged him, and you've got to listen, Daniel, there's a message I need to give you. And so chapter 11 and part of chapter 12 is the message that came from the angel in chapter 10. Okay, listen, there's going to be a quiz afterwards. Yeah, it, there's, there's so much here, uh, but, but chapter 11 and chapter 12 are the message from the angel. Now, chapter 11, from our perspective, it, most of it is past. It's already been fulfilled. Okay? Verses 1 through 4 have to do with the, uh, with the Persians and the Greeks. Okay? The Persian kingdom fell, Alexander the Great came, he died, his, divi- his kingdoms were divided... But then verses 5 through 20 of chapter 11, the Ptolemies and the Seleucid kingdom, it talks about their battles and their fightings. It's a prediction, a prophecy that it's for the Jewish people to understand. Already past tense. Their, their intrigues, their political you know, fights, their, their, their lies, their deceits. It's something out of modern politics. Amen. It's, it's incredible. But all prophecies. You know, somebody I, I read this week as I was studying that passage that uh, uh, 135 predictions from chapter 11 have come true. Amen. It's an amazing uh, fulfilled prophecy chapter. If you want to study that and read that, it, it's, it's very fascinating. How when God, God speaks in His word through His prophets, His word comes true. And so, but we, we get to verses 21 through to through uh, 34 of chapter 11, and it's talking about Antiochus again, and and how he devastated and slaughtered so many Jews 168 through 164 BC till he died. But then we get to 35, verse 36, uh, verse 36 through 45. This is where the debate happens, and this is as we opened up our, our, our scripture today, chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, so at that time refers to verses 35. 36, 35 through 46 kind of time frame. And uh, a lot of, you know, one viable interpretation of this, it's still Antiochus Epiphanes, the great Greek king uh, over the Seleucid kingdom that, that thrashed Israel. But, but because the, the prophecies were so tight and so on point from the previous section, the, what, what this is talking about in verse 36 through 45, it, it doesn't seem to fit Antiochus. It seems to fit another Uh, an Antiochus-like wicked king, uh, a man of lawlessness, what the New Testament calls the Antichrist. And so even though some of the terminology seems the same, verses 36 through 45 is is most likely talking about the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, who is to come. So that part, I, I believe that's how it is, is still future to us as well. So in chapter 12, verse 1, where it says, At that time... Daniel's the message that Daniel given is still future to us as well. And so it's relevant to us, and it's, it's understandable to us, it's, it's pertinent to us. And what does it say in verse 1? At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who is charged with people. Now we saw in chapter 10, Michael, uh, the archangel, he seems to have a, uh, a controlling interest over Israel, maybe Israel's guardian, I don't, I don't know if there's necessarily guardian angels or not, but Michael seems to have uh, power or authority over Israel. Uh, because in verses 36 through 5 of chapter 11, this this beast, this, this great king rises up and he comes to the beautiful land, the promised land, and he attacks. So uh, back in chapter 10, it's about a great conflict that is to come. That's initially what, what the chapter is titled with, A Great Conflict to Come. And so what, we, what we're thinking here, what, what I believe is happening here, is that they're talking about the great conflict at the end, the seventy the 70th week that we talked about in, in, in chapter 9, uh, when the Antichrist does arise, and there's a seven-year period where he starts to take control of the world, and a three-and-a-half-year period where he, he really wages war against the world, especially against God's people. Okay, and, and read about that in the book of Revelation, all the judgments, all the, the wrath. It's, just a, it's a horrible, horrible time, but there's a battle, there's a fight that's coming. But in the midst of this, again, the message of Daniel is that God wins. Amen. And that God's people win. God's people who hold on to the end win. God's people who keep the faith through thick and thin win. God's people who walk with their Jesus no matter what, even when they go against the grain of culture, even when they go against the grain of society, they win in the end no matter what. Amen. Thank you. And so it says uh, in verse chapter 12, verse 1, the second, second sentence, And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. Uh, so I think this is the Great Tribulation. It, it didn't happen in, the, in you 2nd know, century B.C. I don't think it fits 1st uh, century, uh, the Roman general Titus when he came and destroyed Jerusalem. I don't think it fits 66 through 70 A.D. I think this is speaking about the Antichrist. Now, we've been through a lot in this world, right? We've been through World War II. Well, I wasn't. Maybe some of you were alive then. Uh, you saw the the great slaughter, the great battles, the the nuclear bombs that went off. I uh, saw the Holocaust happen. Terrible things. Imagine a time that's greater and more horrible than that. It says that there's going to be a time that has never been experienced yet that's on the way. And uh, we're, we're talking here about the future. And, and many of those, uh, look, the third sentence in, in, in verse, verse 1 there, but at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Amen. Now, interesting, that the, when I did the Lord's Supper today, I, I was studying that this morning because, because uh, the book, right? Moses says, hey, uh, if, you're, if, you, if you would forgive the Israelites, you can take me, blot me out of your book. Okay? And, and even in Daniel's time, the, the citizenry of, of a town or a, a certain area, The the members of the town, the citizens of the town, will be written written in a register. Okay? And so some of this terminology, some of this metaphorical language, you know, God doesn't have like a bookshelf up in heaven right now (laughs) where he pulls a book off the shelf. I wonder who his publisher was. You know, like, it's saying that God knows all things and God knows those who are his. Whose are his? He knows. He knows who is written in his book. He knows who belongs to Him. And so so it says here that everybody written in the book, right, shall be delivered. Praise God. Christians, praise God that you were given the grace to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God that He called your name. Praise God that He opened your eyes to your sin and your wickedness and your evil and you repented. And turn towards Him. That's the grace of God. When you repented and gave your life to Him, your name, as it were, was written in the book forever and ever and ever, and it will never be blotted out. All of God's people, sooner or later, will be delivered. Verse 2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And so I guess if if you're looking for uh, something to write down on your notes, you know, what happens after we die? What is the future of those who uh, end up in the back of the hearse? What happens to those who are buried or what happens to those who are cremated? Perhaps this year you've lost loved ones and maybe you are still confused about their status or where they are right now. Let's talk about it. Daniel says at that time, there's going to be a great battle, a great conflation, but God's people will be delivered. And he says, many who now sleep in the dust shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So, Sleep and awake; these are metaphors that are found in the Bible about death and life. Okay, sleep means you you're dead. You know, many who sleep in the dust, many who have been laid in the ground, metaphorically, it's as if they're sleeping. But one day they will awake; they will come back to life. What Daniel is talking about here is resurrection. Amen. Is resurrection. And all people that are alive today, all people that are dead for the centuries and centuries and centuries, there will be a time when all will be resurrected. All will be resurrected, some to eternal life, some to eternal condemnation and shame. In the outer darkness, resurrection will happen. If you're here today and you don't know where you're going, it's very important that you listen today. Amen. To know, understand, what the Bible says about your future. And I've already given away the punchline. If your name is written in the book, Amen. if you've trusted in the Lord God Almighty, if you've given Him your life, if you've confessed your sins, if you turned away from your wickedness, if you depend On God's word, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. You believe what God says. You trust God with your very life and you too will be saved. But let's talk about what happens here. So this resurrection, those who are... So, verse 3 shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And so, those who are resurrected one day will be glorified, the New Testament says. They'll, they'll shine with a brightness that we do not understand. Okay, like, the, like the sky, Daniel, and the, the angel tells Daniel, like the sky, like the sun, like the stars. Man, that's encouraging to think about our future. Amen. Now, who are the wise? Well, I think it's talking about the great tribulation. Those who in times of trial and tribulation and hardship, they stick with their God no matter what. They're wise. They stick with their Jesus no matter what. They're wise. They stick with God even though the whole world comes against them. They keep the faith. And they try to turn others to righteousness. And that's the great commission in our Bibles. Jesus says, go and make disciples. That's wise. We want to get as many people as possible to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as many people as possible will hear and respond to the good news of Jesus Christ saving sinners like you and I. So, you know, we could go on, but let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about resurrection. What is resurrection? We hear this word, we see it in popular music and, and movies and TV What is resurrection? Let's look at Jesus' resurrection. Gospel of John, chapter 20. The Gospel of John, chapter 20, please. Look at verse 11. Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Why is she weeping outside the tomb? Because Jesus had been buried after He had been crucified. And she wept. As she wept, she stood, stooped to look into the tomb. Okay, it's Sunday morning. She's come to the tomb, and it's empty. And she saw two angels in, in white sitting there with the body where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. They said to her, "Woman, why are you weeping?" <coughs> Duh. Anyway, sorry, angels. Uh... She said to them. They have taken away my Lord, and and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Okay, so it's a rhetorical question. Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned, and Aramaic said, Rabboni rabboni, which means teacher, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And he, has said, these, he said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When, they had said, when he had said this, they showed, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when, he, when, they, when they saw the Lord. Resurrection. It's not just a spiritual resurrection. As I said last week, you're never going to be an angel. Nobody, no human ever becomes an angel. You don't float around on clouds. One day you're going to rise from the dead as Jesus rose from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus was able to be clung to by Mary. She saw. She heard his voice. When he revealed, you know, he's this glorious resurrected body now. He showed him, showed her who he was. It's a physicality. It's a material thing. It's, it's a hearing. It's a sensory thing. Feel, touch, you know, hear, listen, smell even. Jesus is alive forevermore. Amen. He was dead. He was asleep, as it were, but he's came back to life. Resurrection, one day, you too will rise from the dead. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What does it look like? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, please. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen Asleep. Luke mentioned this in his prayer. First fruits means that the first apple on the tree. There's other apples to come. First, first grape harvest, the first grapes to come. There's more grapes to come. Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, meaning those who have dead, who are dead lying in the ground. Jesus is the first one to rise from the dead. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. At his coming, the dead will be raised. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, please, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, okay? So the brothers, the sisters in Thessalonica, their loved ones were dying. They perhaps thought that Jesus was going to come back right away, and they're like, they're in the ground now. What's happening? We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Lots of people lose loved ones and they grieve without any hope. You do not have to be hopeless in Jesus Christ. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. For we, this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. If we're alive when he comes back, is what it's saying. We who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Something's happening to those who are dead. Something's going to happen to those who have been put in the grave. Something's going to be happening to those who have been cremated. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, and the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. I think it's going to be loud, and it's going to be seen by everybody. The the lightning across the sky. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Will rise. Those in the graves, they will take on their physical body again. You're not going to be forever a, a spirit floating You're going to be re-embodied, re-enfleshed one day. God did not make His creation to just throw it away. As He's redeeming the whole earth, He's redeeming all things, He's going to redeem you. Your Your body has worth in God's sight. One day He will rise you again to meet your spirit. He's going to bring your spirit with Him when He comes back to the earth. When He comes back to the earth, He's going to bring you with Him. And He's going to reunite your body. And you're going to dwell upon the earth. Dwell upon the place where Jesus' kingdom is coming and you're going to live a new, different, glorious life in a new heaven, the new earth, on the new Jerusalem. The Lord will himself will ascend from heaven with a cry of command, the voice of the archangel, the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive, if we're alive when Jesus comes back, who are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So the Lord is coming to earth. We rise up to meet him as he's coming down. We rise up as this, as this group, this, this people that meet the Lord in the air. <laughs> he's coming to the earth to reign. We go up, out to meet him like, the, like an entourage going out of the city to meet the coming emperor, the coming king. We bring him back. He brings us back into the city as his glorified, resurrected people. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. But what happens? Okay, when's that gonna happen? At the second coming of Christ. But what happens if you die tonight? I'm not a prophet. Praise God. <laughs> but maybe somebody here will breathe their last tonight. If you're a Christian, if you trusted in Jesus as your Lord, the Bible's pretty clear about what happens. The good news. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 6 The apostle Paul reflecting on uh, the eternal house that's coming our eternal body he says so we we're always of good courage we know that while we're at home in the body we're away from the lord now not you know the holy spirit's in us so we're not really away from our you know what he's, what he means. To be in the body means to be away from, from our God, from our Jesus. And, and, he, and he says, For uh, we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So that second sentence of verse 6, We know that while we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. And then verse 8, We'd rather be away from the body at home with the Lord. What he's saying is, Christian, you die tonight. You go immediately into the presence of Jesus. You are with your Jesus spiritually, awaiting the day of resurrection. Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, please. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. The Apostle Paul again he's he's talking about living for Christ and how awesome it is to live for Christ. Um, for to me to live is Christ. to die is gain. Amen. to die is gain. Some people I know they're afraid of death they're afraid of the next step they're afraid of crossing over into what is to come? They live in terror. You know, they, 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 you know, they, they're trapped in their home or they're they're worried about everything, concerned about everything, freaked out about everything, and they're afraid of everything. I might die. And I'm saying, praise God, I'm gonna die. <laughs> right? Jesus. I'm gonna be able to leave this earth. Yeah. I'm gonna be able to leave this place someday. Paul says, we went to Live is great. To live is Christ. To li- I, while I'm living here, I'm going to live for Jesus. And what a great existence it is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But to die is gain. It's good. Because we go to be with Jesus. Verse 22. If I am to live in this flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. Brothers and sisters, just like the thief on the cross, when he called out to Jesus, he said, today, when you come in your kingdom, Jesus, remember me. Right? And Jesus says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Today, you'll be with me. And so Paul knew the truth. He knew as soon as he died, he'd go to be with Jesus in a place that Jesus called paradise, like a garden scene. Right? Like like this beautiful place that you wouldn't want to trade anything for. And so, brothers and sisters, what we're saying is, for you who are in Jesus, who've given Him your life, who've trusted Him with your very self, it's all good from here on out. Okay, To die is gain. And then one day when Jesus comes back, resurrection into His kingdom, to live forever and ever in, in a renewed world. The New Jerusalem. Only God knows the timing of that, but how great it is to know where you're going. John chapter 5, please. John chapter 5, please. Verse 24. Actually, let's start in verse 25 and I'll come back to verse 24. Verse 25. <clears throat> truly, truly, I say to you: an hour is coming, it is now here. This is Jesus talking, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. He has given him the authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. You hear what Jesus is saying, saying here? He's the one who is in control of life and death. He's the one who is in control of judgment. He's the one who is in control of all people's eternity. Some people say Jesus is just a teacher. Jesus is just a good man. I don't think they've read their Bibles. He claims to be God. He claims to be the Father's agent. Whatever I say, I got it from the Father. I'm here on the Father's authority. I represent Him. Whatever I say goes because He and I are one. So He's the Father's agent who's come and He's God. And so He's saying, man, I'm the one who's going to call people from the grave. Do you belong to Jesus? Do you belong to Jesus? you got to belong to Jesus. Do not marvel at this, verse 28, for an hour is coming, the hour that Daniel spoke of, when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. If you're taking notes, you can write down Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. Revelation 20, verses 4 through 6, where before the the thousand year reign, before the millennium, the the righteous rise from the dead, and after the thousand years, the ungodly rise from the dead. The resurrection is in simultaneous, but all will be raised. But Jesus is the one who's in control of it, and we read this, and the question becomes: Well, how do I? How do I get in the book of life? How do? How do I be saved? And how do, And you you read verse twenty nine, you say, Well, I, I have to do good, or if I don't do good enough, then then I'm in trouble. And, and please, run this through the filter of what Jesus has already said. Look at verse twenty four. Verse 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He has not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, verily, verily, I say to you, man, this is the word, Jesus is saying. Listen to this, Jesus says. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus is personalizing it for you. Jesus is speaking to you. Whoever hears my word and believes Him who sent me has eternal life. Jesus claimed that He was the Savior, the Messiah from heaven, and He came to seek and save the lost. If you believe in Jesus, He's the Father's agent. He speaks for the Father. He says, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He shall not come into judgment but is passed from death to life. And so that verse 29, you come to Jesus and then you respond with your works. God saves you, and then you live a life of holiness and righteousness. He makes you in an apple tree, and then you produce apples. You'll know them by their fruit. Those like, like Belshazzar in chapter 5, he had the opportunity to repent, but he never did. Those that you know who've come, and they've heard the gospel again and again, but they've never repented, they live works of of iniquity and unrighteousness. Don't you be those people. Don't you be that person that isn't trusting in Jesus with your very life, with your very soul, with your very being. He's the Savior. He's the Ruler. He's the Redeemer. He's the Rescuer. He's the Deliverer. He's the Messiah. Whoever believes in Him shall be saved. All who call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is that you today? Is there somebody here that is not yet crossed over from death to life? If you do not believe in Jesus, you're still in the grave, as it were. You're dead in your sins and trespasses. You have no hope for the future. If you die tonight without having Jesus, you would be resurrected one day to shame and contempt, not in the kingdom, not in God's heaven, but far away in the place of weeping of teeth gnashing of teeth and weeping in the darkness. So I urge you, if you're here today and you haven't said, yes, I trust in Jesus as my Savior, repent today, turn today, put your faith in Him today, and He will save you. Is there anybody who needs to be saved today? Would you stand up right where you are? Is there anybody that needs to turn their life over to Jesus? Would you just stand up where you are, raise your hand, let me pray for you? Amen. Is there anybody that needs to cross the line from death to life? Is there anybody that needs to leave a life of sin and iniquity and trust in Jesus to save you? Raise your hand up now. Randy? Let's all stand with Randy. Stand up, brother. Maybe those of you who are at home watching, if you raised your hand or you stood up, let me pray for you too. Randy, you just, you just agree with me in this, if, if it's your heart and if it's true. Lord God Almighty, I'm a sinner. Yes. Lord God Almighty, I, I understand that without your saving grace, I am lost. Lord God Almighty, I turn my life over to you now. Lord Jesus, I trust in your work on the cross alone. Save me, Jesus. I have no other hope in the world but you. Come into my life and make me yours forever and ever and ever. In Your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Our Father in Heaven, thank You for the Gospel. Thank You for coming. Thank You for for this crowd of witnesses in this room. Lord God, that it seems like we're all going to be one day with You in Heaven. And we rejoice over what You've done. We thank You, Lord, for saving us. We thank You, Lord, for the promise of resurrection. Lord God Almighty. To give you our lives again to serve you now. Holy Spirit, fill us and anoint us and and use us to bless others and share the gospel with others and help others change their life. Send us out now as a church. Lord, thank you for meeting us here today. Thank you for helping us worship you and, and remind ourselves of what is right and what is the center of the world. Be magnified, Lord, through this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for tuning into this teaching from Living Water Bible Fellowship. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this video today. Living Water exists to lead people into a life-changing and an ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.